Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And roll. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of this Mental Performance Group Coaching Program brought to you by Fundraising University. And I want to welcome everyone to today's group coaching call and let you know that Fundraising University was recognized as one of the top 500 franchises in Entrepreneur's Franchise 500, the world's first, best, and most comprehensive franchise ranking. Now, the 44th annual Entrepreneur Franchise 500, it's a highly sought after honor in the franchise industry and Fundraising University was recognized within that franchise 500. So if you're interested in learning more about Fundraising University, who brings us this group coaching program, and if you're looking to, you know, whether it's run a fundraiser for your own sports program, or if you're looking to create uh, and tap into that entrepreneurial mind of yours and be able to run fundraisers for programs in your area and own your own business, Let's have you contact Zach Sorensen. That's Z Sorensen at fundraisingu.net for more. I will post his information here inside of the chat. If you want to go ahead, uh, you can reach out to Zach, Z Sorensen at fundraisingu.net. Super excited for today's group coaching program with my friend and a mental performance certified coach. He's a he's a one of the top umpires in all of college baseball. He's also a high school athletic director who's involved not only on the state level in Washington, but on, but on the national level with the NIAAA's Publications Committee, amongst everything else that he does. Today, we've got Russ Waterman, Athletic Director at Eastmont High School in Wenatchee, Washington, to talk about culture, talk about leadership, and coaching development and athletic administration. And what I'm most excited about with, with Russ is Russ actually was the athletic director who brought me in and ran the first fundraising university fund you now that I've done. So he's going to talk about his experience there with that as well. Super excited for today. Couldn't be more pumped. Russ, thanks for joining us here in the Mental Performance Group Coaching Program. Oh, it's my honor, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of over my nerves right now, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, man. Well, we're, we're glad you're here. And, um, you know, what I'm going to first do here is put inside of the chat for everybody so they can kind of follow along. You know, if they want to take notes, they can. If they want to follow along with my notes, I'm going to put those inside of the chat here. Kane notes. And then you can start, go ahead and follow along there. So, you know, Russ, to kind of get us started, if you would, just just sort of talk about like, you know, I feel like you, you and I went from zero to 100 real quick in terms of our relationship, right? I saw you at the State Athletic Directors Convention in Washington, which I think was last year, maybe two years ago now. And you kind of ago. talk about sort of your introduction into mental performance and why you got into it so much so fast. I, I think it, it started before that, Brian, pre-COVID. I might have stalked you online a little bit with going on on, on Twitter and everything else. And who, who is this guy? I know that uh, I did pick up your book, I think, at a conference about fish hooks and all that good stuff. And when you were uh, when you prevented, presented at the state conference, it just clicked. I mean, it was like, what are we missing at Eastmont? What is the what is the next ingredient to take this one recipe and make it an elevated recipe? What can we do? What are we missing with our athletes? And it really was that presentation. And and honestly, what what sold me was the 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 passion, energy, and juice that you bring every time you do it. it there's you can see through it. Athletes can see through it, and coaches coaches can see through it, and presenters. What's real? What's not real? Who's collecting a paycheck and who's really bought in and all in? 
And that's what the deal was. It didn't hurt that I had bribed you with the Dave Matthews concert to get you up here. No, never hurts to go see Dave Matthews at the Gorge, which I still need to collect on that, uh, collect on that promise. But Ross, I appreciate you, man, and your investment. And, you know, I've had a chance to work with, with a lot of high schools, a lot of high school athletic directors around the country. And the thing I'm really excited about today is I think you do it as good or anybody in the country. I literally yesterday got a call from an AD saying, Hey, we're looking at hiring a sports psychologist for our athletic department district wide. Would you be interested? And I said, I'd be interested, but if you want to see how to run a mental performance program in a school or a district, you got to get on my call tomorrow with Russ Waterman. So um, I'm excited to hear more about what you're doing at your school. And I think the place to start is just kind of talking about, you know, culture is king. And, and I'll let you sort of take it and run with it because I know you got a lot to, to break down today. And thanks for creating that PowerPoint that we're going to go over, too. Yeah, I mean, that's that's we when we started this process probably eight years ago, when we looked at our overall program, I've been, at, I've been in this position since. 2010, 2011, and in around 15, 16, we said, where, what are we missing? Why are we not seeing the excellence? Why are we not seeing consistency? Why are we, why are we on, on so many different islands? Why is one getting preferential treatment over another program? And a couple of coaches came up and we started studying culture. We started studying what is it going to take to be a championship culture? And the phrase that stuck with me is culture is king. All right. Everything else is a byproduct. You're going to have good athletes. You're going to have mediocre athletes. You're going to have participatory athletes. You're going to have competitive athletes. You're going to have across the gambit, but your culture will drive everything else. And the, the beautiful fit with that, Brian, was coming in to learn about MPM strategies and the 10 pillars is coming in and, and really hammering home process over outcome. People coin that phrase and use that phrase a lot. And what's really important about that is if, if you have a, a terrible process, you're going to have a terrible outcome. And can you define your process? And so we started looking at that. What is it that we talk about when we say process over outcome? It's got to be something that we've got to identify and be able to be spot on and nail it. And so that's the way we, we kind of, you know, arrived at what we were doing. And then when we were able to bring in Brian and, and talk a little bit about, and it was really great coming out of COVID. I mean, everybody was lost. We've all experienced this as a coach, as a, as a trainer, as an athletic director, an administrator. We all, we all came out of COVID and we were like, wow, this is a hard reset. This is a hard reset for everybody. Our athletes were in limbo. Our coaches were in limbo. I know I was in limbo. How are we going to do this? How are we going to restart this thing? And it was a great timing and opportunity to go back in and revisit our core principles what are we going to accept? What are we not going to accept? And and get that whole recipe in play. Mm. And Russ, I know you put together a PowerPoint here. Do you want to share your screen and go through that? Is it better if I do that for you and you can talk me through it? What's the best way to do this? Well, I'll share it. Let me know Let's if go. you can see it. We can see it loud and clear. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let me see if I can get back to the start. Uh, okay. Culture is king. So basically, you know, again, when we came in, it was kind of a, a, a again, you tell the story and it's a funny story. You know, you're talking to this guy. He's got huge energy. You know, who is this guy? He comes in. He comes in on campus. We set him up in a hotel, and he says, let's go to work. What? Yeah, let's go to work. I'll drop my bag off. We're going to your office, and and we're just going to hammer it. And Brian's grilling me. Okay, tell me about Eastmont. Tell me about you. Tell me about what's going on. What do you expect out of this? What do you want from this? How do you want me to deliver? How do you want this to be done? And it was just boom, 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 just like Kaner always does. But then we came out this whole process, and we took it to our head coaches. And we said, hey, you're going to drive this. It's not going to be me. It's not going to be fed from the top. It's going to be coach-led, not AD-fed. 
right? You've got to do this. And so we started with surveys. Okay, what do we think our core principles are going to be? Where do you think that we should be really taking at it? And, and, and we took all these things. And I sat with Brian after that meeting, and we kind of looked at everything that was out there. And it was just a gambit. There's like 26 different words, 26 different phrases our coaches wanted in this. And we kind of kind of mashed them, melded them. Well, does this kind of mean this? Does this mean this? Well, does it fit under here? And we came up with the acronym Wildcats. And that's what we live by. And our decision-making, uh, I know for myself and, and the athletic department, decisions that we do are based upon our core principles. If it is not aligned with our core principles, it is not something that needs to be brought forward until we can make it align with our core principles. So if it doesn't fit with what we're trying to do, either in our mission or either our core principles, it's not getting done. That goes on the back burner because we're not going to waste energy of something that's not going to fit with what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, you can see on the screen there, you know, we go from Wildcats today, and I explain this to parents, athletes all the time, my coaching staff, the things we teach them now. Um, I, I kind of get some, you know, a little bit of flack from it because I'm, 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 I'm a competitive guy. I'm, you can ask Kaner. We, we went out and golfed, but that's a story for another day. And taking four shots to get out of a sandbucker and Kane almost rolling on the green laughing at me uh, was, was pretty good. Um, but uh, I don't really care about wins. You know, wins come, but that's outcome. We can't we can't hang our hat on that. We got to hang our hat on how do we get there, that process. And I tell coaches all the time, I don't care how many wins you get, how many hearts are you winning? That's what I want to know. How many kids are going to be grateful when they leave? Because the game leaves you or you leave the game. Nobody plays forever. Um, and you're going to look back and say, you know what? Coach Bingy, girls bowling, she made an impact in my life. She cared. She taught me what was going on. You know, Coach Kane, he he made this impact. So that's really where it is. So Wildcats today, so when they graduate, we've prepared them. We put tools in the toolkit. We've got them every plan for success that they possibly can have to be Wildcats for life. So that's kind of where that whole process goes uh, um, with that. Along that, we had to identify what are we going to accept? You know, Urban Meyer, um, above the line, everybody's read that book and all their work with with Focus 3 and, and, and Tim O'Brien Kite. Um we said what it is again, none of this on the screen is Russ Waterman's work. None of it. This is all driven by our coaching staff. What is it you want to see happen in these five areas is an athlete is a person. And this applies to them as coaches too. What is going to be above the line behavior? What's going to be below the below the line behavior person, student, athlete, coach, and the tough one to sell on every parent night is the parent section. And I brief them. I, I tell them before I put the slide up, I go, you guys are going to boo and hiss and maybe throw popcorn at me, whatever it is. You're not going to like the message on this, but it's an important message to hear. We need to have you guys on board. I tell my coaches all the time, we take from them, every parent in our district that has a kid as an athlete, we take from them their most prized possession. It's not their car. It's not their 501 or 504 account. It's not their Roth account. It's not their retirement account. We have their kid every single day during our season. And so they have a vested interest. So we need to get them on board. And, and parents are our allies. Parents are on our team. And they need to realize that being a member of our team, you need to get on board with what we're trying to do also. Uh, we can't be out there bad mouth in our program. And then the four phrases here come from our coaching staff. And I leave them on there because they're really, really relevant. So you must love them in order to lead them. If you don't love the sport, if you don't love coaching, why are you in the profession? And I talked to them about coming back to our, our core principle of attitude, bring the juice every day. You got to bring 100% every day to what you do. If you can't wake up and the first thing out of your mind is I get to go to work today. I get to work with kids. I get to work in a sport that I love. I get to impact lives. We, You and I need to have a conversation. It may be time to change professions. And I tell myself that every day I get up, 
Five o'clock, the alarm goes off. I tell myself, get up. You got a job to do. You get to do this job um, and, and, and go for it. Transformational coaching versus transactional coaching. You know, we pulled that out of a three-year study doing 3D coaching with uh, Jeff Duke. Um, and we were looking at relationships at that time. How do we build strong, life-lasting life relationships and get the most out of our athletes? So don't be a, a transactional coach. You do this, you get this. Be a transformational coach. So now it is player-led. It's a player interest to come forward and do that, not you telling the kid, I'm going to give you a starting job or you get more playing time for, for doing this. Principle over preference, that's huge in my life. That That's made an impact. If there's one of those top five things I learned out of uh, becoming an MPM coach, is just that. If you're going to work on preference, then you're going to change all the time because you're not going to feel like doing things. You know, you're not going to feel like, and feelings lie to you. They just lie to you. Your mind lies to you. And that's why it's got to be principled. Come back to our core covenants. Come back to my own personal MVP process that I'll share a little bit later in the slideshow. These are the things that ground you. These are the things that guide you. And then last, again, I, I know she's on the call, and I'm not saying this because she's on the call. My coach, my bowling coach, Coach Bingy, Chrissy Bingy, thanks for being on the call. This is hers. That's the motto of our bowling team. Don't stop believing. They play that song at the end of almost any time they're doing anything with bowling. It, it is an amazing thing. And that is true to our statement. Don't stop believing. You got to believe you're doing the right thing. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new challenge. Don't stop believing. Kaner, interject any time here so I can get a drink of water. Yeah, we'll go ahead and take a drink of water, Russ, because what I'm going to do is inside of our notes here, inside of the chat, I'm going to post a link to the Wildcats MVP process and core principles that you just put up there so that people can have that as, as an example of a template. I've also posted a link to the PowerPoint that you're going through here so people have that to be able to go by as well. Uh, and I just see people taking notes as fast as they can. You know, Russ, one of the things you mentioned was principle versus preference, having gone through the MPM certification. Since you mentioned it, let's talk about that. What has the MPM certification done for you? You know, it, it, it's kind of just that missing piece that if it's in a relationship or maybe it's a craft or a hobby that you do and you get a piece of information that makes it all come together. The 10 pillars made it all come together for me. If I had known then when I coached, when I was 21, when I was 22, if I when I was, you know, knew it all, right? I was gung-ho, we're going. If I would have known this, I would have been a hundred times better coach. And so if I can impart this knowledge, if I knew this as an athlete, I probably would have wouldn't have been mediocre, <laughs> put it that way, right? I might have been a little bit better. Um, so for me, that was the missing piece. And I think when you when you bring this all together and and, and have that certification, it, it it melded everything. So that that's that's what I thought. Awesome, man. I appreciate that feedback. And I know, you know, you've got kind of your Wildcats focus coming up next where you talk about the sort of the over the overlay of the mental, relational, and physical, where you're talking about Wildcats today and Wildcats for life. Yeah, so this is kind of when when we started this project a long time ago, we went two to three years in each of this endeavor. You know, we spent time diving into Jeff Jansen's uh, how to build and sustain a championship culture. Then we we dove into Jeff Duke's 3D coaching. And that's the blessing coming out of COVID with you and seeing you, Brian. That was, again, it's the missing link, the mental piece. When we talk about a lot of different things, we hire coaches because they're knowledgeable about the sport. They're knowledgeable about the tactics. They're knowledgeable about the strategy. They're knowledgeable about the motivation. They may have some other things that they're going, but are they teaching the kids how to be mentally tough? We hear that term all the time. Well, you got to be mentally tough. You got to be mentally tough. What does that mean? You know, and, and they could have different iterations about that. And so that's where, you know, we started. And that was the, the, the final piece of the triad right there with the metal, with the 10 pillars and MPM, habit share, sports strategy, signal lights. And now these are all things that come out of that MPM certification 
that that we find valuable. And as we get through, I asked all of my coaches, I said, if you have time, you know, I got I get to be on this call. I want to be about us, not me. Uh, it, this is not about me. This is about we. And so I asked them, what are the strategies you use? And, and you'll see that where it comes up here in a couple of slides. What you'll see here is what we do. You know, we call about branding. Okay. So our culture has to be visible. It can't be uh, uh, something that doesn't have vibrance and life, right? Again, when we talk about culture is king, the other side of this is what you accept is your culture. No matter how many banners, how many, how much swag you have, this is all swag that's going around. So it's on the screen, you, you know, that's on our athletic office right there. That's actually the boss's office. That's Debbie Worth, my secretary. That's her. She, she runs the show. Kaner, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Right. Bear oh, yeah. runs the show. You, you're just the front guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is uh, in the middle of the screen. That's our banner on the hallway going down to our locker room. So that's always visible for kids to, to see. Uh, again, my water bottle right there always reminds me what we're trying to do. You know, one, you know, when, what's important now and our, our principles. We give each of our athletes a bag tag just to remind them. Uh, and that's a unique thing. And, and I kind of give them a challenge. I say, you know what? I never ask kids to sign the back where it says all in. And because that's, a, that's something that you want to do. So if you're wearing the bag tag, I know you're in. If you sign the bag tag, I know you're all in, but I'll mm -hmm. never ask you why, mm -hmm. because that's got to be something you want to do. You want to sign that and put your name on it saying you're all in. So again, it's about keeping our core principles in the front and in the minds of our athletes at all times. I love what you're saying there, Russ, about being in versus into, right? I heard that Dr. Gilbert talk about that on a success outline two decades ago, where he said, are you in or are you into? Like we're all in this call. But are you into this call? Are you taking notes? Are you watching the recordings, right? There's a difference between being in and being into. And I like your point about how you said it is. I know you're in. You're in school here. You're enrolled at Eastmont. You got a uniform. But are you all in? And when you're all in is when you sign your name. I love that. I also love what you mentioned about, like, your culture is what you accept. And mm -hmm. setting a standard and competing to that standard. Mm -hmm. It ultimately is. And it comes back again to uh, principle over preference. Uh, if you're not, if you're not going to keep that in, if you're not going to stay in the middle of the highway with where you're going, and that's why on the slide, you see culture guardrails, because we can deviate on that travel. We can deviate. And I love that reference you talk about, Brian, about a moon launch and trying to land on the moon, that it wasn't a straight shot there, that they were off course and they had thousands of different micro changes to, to get to the moon. It's the same thing with your culture. And so this is, for us, it was huge for two years, blessed that we are able to bring Brian in on campus and have the man, the master right there working with our kids. And these are some, each of our kids had a session, the coaches that wanted to bring him in had a session. And so these are just some, some pictures of that. I'll, I'll tell you this, the most moving group out of that whole day. I don't know if you remember this Kaner. Oh yeah. Cheerleading. Was, was that that top middle when he was working with our cheerleaders? It was, it was amazing that interaction with Brian and them when he would ask questions and it was in-depth responses about what they wanted, where were they at, what were they going to do, what was their goal setting, incredible stuff. Um, so we were, you know, that's where it all started. And, and we always will bring Brian. I always talk about people talking about, well, how do you afford this? How do you do this? I go, he's a coach on our staff. Hmm. He's a coach on our staff. We'll bring him in whenever we can to be a part of our coaching staff. He's our guy. Um, and, and I know that, uh, you know, we, we aren't going to get a chance to maybe do that, but we'll do it video this year. It, it's awesome. Other, other guardrails. You know, there's a lot of busyness on this screen. Um, this is, this is just kind of stuff that we talk about and we do, uh, in the middle, you'll see there, it says coaches council. We've been doing coaches council for about a decade now. 
Um, but we've been more intentional the last two years to make sure that we're staying focused on, on what we're talking about. So on that, you'll see that's an agenda that we, we put out every time before a meeting. Always has our core principles on the left, and then it has what we're going to talk about. And in the, the middle there, the wildcat focus, we will try and, and, and put in a focus of one of our core principles. Today, we had coaches council. The focus was on attitude. And we talked about how do we get that positive energy? How do we get that attitude of success, of, of, of gratefulness, of all those things going? And that becomes where it's a parent share. It's not, it's not me delivering. There's some stuff in there that, that stand and deliver. They got to get the information from the athletic director somehow. But for the most part, I call on them. You know, I call on them. Hey, share what you're doing. Great idea. Anybody else got a different response? Can we evolve that a little bit more? So it's getting them to think and learn from each other as, as, a, as a community rather than just, hey, this is the way you're going to do it. Uh, over on the left, obviously, I threw up a picture. We, you know, weekly calls with Brian. Uh, on the coaches group, we we love to do that. Not everybody can hop on live, so they they watch after that. We run our student of the month, and this is directly from Brian. He we used to have a uh, a big thing on the wall, uh, kind of a display, and each month we would be able to put up you know athletes for for our core principles. But it really, is it was based upon their athletic performance. And Brian came in one day and he says, "Hey, how come you're not linking that to your core principles?" I go, "Whoa, that's a good thing." So now when we, we do this, we do Wildcats of the month and mm. every team, every team selects, a head coach will select an athlete off their team every month. Uh, fall sports gets September, October, November. Winter sports gets December, January, February, and spring gets March, April, May. Every program is represented. And what the, the catch is, you've got to tie it into the core principles. So again, when you look at, it's a bowling thing today here at Eastmont High School on this call. You got to love it. Uh, Savannah Nuxall and what it was, what is, what is it there? So bowling junior and it's attitude, right? Attitude is bring the juice, bring energy, bring positive energy. And you know, what is it that coach Bingy says about Savannah? What is it that her athletic achievements were? And then we put it up on our display right by our gym. We were, we were blessed enough to have enough money to, to do a, a digital display. And that's one of our athletes there, Kylie Weems. She's a three sport athlete for a senior this year, incredible young lady, outstanding. So not only do they get that up on the deal, we put it out on social media. They get a T-shirt that says uh, Wildcats of the Month. Happen to have one because it's an athletic director's office. You can turn around at any given time and find a piece of swag or something else. So this is what's on the back, Wildcats. And this is what's on the front, Wildcat of the Month. Okay, and we try to do that. Uh, down at the bottom is some ugly guy with some good-looking officials. We try to represent once a year in our league or once a season in our league. A, a, officials appreciation month that goes along nice. with our culture of, of, of leadership service above self recognizing them being a part of our program we without officials it's recess and we need to change the culture towards officiating and, and it starts by recognizing them on the top right is uh, a preseason meeting this is with our boys coach boys basketball coach and I learned this trick from again Kane uh, Brian he did you know we'll do this and I'm typing away during the meeting, I'm still present with them, but I will type in what we're talking about in the notes in the Google calendar. So I know I've got a record of it. And I share that with the coaches. And again, when you look at the things that are, are in green, these are things we've pulled out from MPM coaches calls, MPM strategies, those kind of things. And then again, bottom right, every single one of our head coaches is MPM certified. Every single one. I hire a new head coach. I'm calling Brian. I need another one. They're going to go through it because I'm going to prepare them. It doesn't mean they're going to use it, guys. Don't, 
if you're on the call and thinking, hey, just because we offer it, they're going to use it, it doesn't happen that way, right? Uh, but we're going to give them all the tools possible. Russ, why was it important for you to have every one of your head coaches to be MPM certified? One, I think we needed to have a common language. We needed to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk, and everybody knows what we're talking about. The next is, is I got to put enough tools in their toolbox to make them successful. I need to stretch them from one way to another, uh, just like I need to be stretched and grow. It's got to have that growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. And to be able to do that gave us some credibility to the program. Well, would you, is that something that you'd recommend for other athletic directors, you know, looking at trying to like bring on a coach's education program that they get MPM certified, that they join this group coaching that we do every week? Because I think you've been on this every week for almost two years now. Yeah, when I, I, it's one of my checklists every week that grounds me and also propels me, mm. right? I get motivated because I get to be around other ADs, other coaches that are in the same world that we're talking about. And that, that drives me, that, that, that can pick me up. I could have the worst day today. I could have made my bed this morning, Brian Kane, <laughs> and have the worst day. And I can be on an MBM coaching call. I know my, something good's happening out of the rest of my day, right? Mm. So yes, I would recommend it. Even if it's just that you're going to, you know, provide for them the opportunity to be on a coach's call weekly or, or to, to see the, the, the download of that call. That's part about them growing as a professional. Um, if you have the opportunity, you have the budget. I mean, you can find the budget. You can find the budget to bring Brian in or, or somebody else out of NPM and do it. I, I think it starts to get you to look at and think in a different manner toward athletics and what we're doing with our, with our sports and our athletes. Well, I think the other thing too is that as obviously finance can be a burden for some coaches or an obstacle for some athletic directors or coaches. And I think that's, you know, I know we're going to talk about this later is, is the beauty of fundraising university and, you know, fundraising university offers a variety of fundraising efforts to help teams and students run profitable, effective, and fast paced fundraisers designed to raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time to reach their fundraising goal. So again, if you're interested in running a fundraiser with fundraising university, especially in the areas of Chicago, Central Arkansas, South Florida, please contact Zach Sorensen to learn how to get started with fundraising with Fundraising University. Russ, if you would, maybe you can jump ahead in your PowerPoint to that part of Fundraising University and talk about your experience because, again, I want to take time just to thank Coach Mike Bahoon. Uh, he's an assistant baseball coach at Ohio State University. He's also the Fundraising University CEO. Um, and I'd like to thank them for providing this awesome opportunity for coaches' education. So thanks again to Coach Mike Bahoon. Russ, talk about kind of your fundraising experience as an AD and the difference that Fundraising University has made for you. Yeah. I, I kind of was on on a different wavelength uh, for a long time. And, and, and BC, it always comes back to our first conversations when you were coming up and you were going to bring up uh, somebody from Fundraiser U and you're going to attach that in. And I was like, we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. Here's what my philosophy on fundraising has been. Our, our school levies and our bonds are our ma major fundraisers. because They're going out to the community. They're paying taxes for that. We don't like going out handouts, right? We don't want to go door to door. We're not putting our kids in uniforms and go knocking on a door with, you know, the little pail of, can you, can you give us some money? We don't want to sell cookie dough, right? It sits in the back of the freezer and nobody ever uses it. We don't want to sell popcorn tins. You know, it sits in the cupboard and they pull it out, it's stale. We want to make sure if we were doing any kind of fundraising opportunity, it was a partnership. And so, you know, we'll hold camps and youth camps and everything else like that. And that that squeaks it by. You You get some benefit from that relationship with the community, I think is a greater value than the monetary return you get from those fundraisers. And coming out of COVID and coming out of a situation in our state with a House bill 
that talks about a poverty level of, of athletes now, uh, House Bill 1660, where they don't have to pay those fees really started to impact our, our associated student body funds, right? Our ASB accounts that fund all of our, our programs. And so I really dove into this a little bit more, talked to our finance director, talked to our state level finance directors that, that run the, uh, you know, WASBO, Washington Association of uh, Student Business Officials, and said, can we do this? Crowdfunding, can we do this? Yes, you can. Here's how you have to do it. And here was the greatest thing ever. Talking with Mike, talking with everybody at Fundraiser U, they bent over backwards to meet the needs of us in Washington State. And I believe, Brian, we were the first Fundraiser U event, Fund U account in the state of Washington. Yeah, I and, think we were. Yeah. I, can't, I can't say enough about that. To meet the daily deposits, right? We had to deposit everything every day. So they had to go through the accounts, what was made, and go. Amazing. Stuff we just talked about it today. We we're, we're going to send it to coaches. Do we do we have a need to do this again next year because it was it was that good for what happened. Yeah, and for that one hour, right? I mean, one hour yeah. that we put together there in your in your cafeteria with teams and coaches at tables with a projection screen up there. In one hour, we ended up generating close to thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, it was incredible. Pizza, you know, kind of everything else. And and Caner was being Caner up there, and and we had some swag <laughs> prizes. I can say. Again, athletic directors obviously dig into a closet. We can find a water bottle or a T-shirt or something that's just laying around. We started giving that away for oh, who who just hit a hundred dollars or whatever it is. It is just an amazing environment. There, there's so much skepticism, right? Mm. Going into something that's unknown, just like anything else, something that's unknown, you're gonna have skepticism. You're towing the water. By the time that hour was over, our kids were having fun. They were having, uh, you know, kids were coming back the next day saying, "I have more, I have more people." I go, "Go ahead." It, it's still live for a week after that event. But that's the beauty of that that whole thing is for an hour, these kids are at school, they're on campus, they're on site, they're with each other, they're not in the community, they're not knocking on strangers' doors, they're not in the middle of the night, they're not carrying cash, we're not trying to count the cash, nobody's pocketing the cash, it just eliminates all those headaches that that fundraising has to do. Yeah, and the beautiful part about it, Russ, was it was the first one I had ever done, it was the first one you had ever done, the first one was ever done in the state of Washington, and you know, obviously the first time is going to be the hardest time and it was so smooth, streamlined and easy because they make the process so simple. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Just yeah. incredible. It's awesome. So I can't recommend enough to the coaches on here. If you have fundraising needs, check out fundraising university. I can't re- recommend enough to the people on here, more of an entrepreneurial business bind looking to potentially become a franchise owner, to be an entrepreneur, to check out fundraising university. I know uh, one of my friends who, who is also a franchise owner, also a division one college baseball coach is probably making three to four times his, his annual salary doing fundraising as he is, as a division one college baseball coach, which is, um, is really cool and great business model. So awesome. Well, Ross, let's jump back into culture. If we could, if we can go back, I know one of the things that you were about to talk about was kind of that idea about what you accept. Your culture is not what you say. Your culture is what you accept, which I think was slide nine. If you want to go back there. Uh, well, I got to think about it. Now I got to count to nine. Oh, I got you. I I can tell you when to stop. Boom. Right there. Right there. Back one. Yep. Right there. Beautiful. So one of the things, and this is one of those that, you know, when you and I had a conversation and I want to say it was during that time uh, right before the visit and, and you and I jumped on a phone call actually, and you were saying, Hey man, what do you got going on? You just seem like you are flipping all over the place. And I was saying, well, I got this, this, this. And you started talking about, dude, you got to put that through a filter. You got to put through that through a filter of what you want to do. And that's what I did with the Eastmont Leadership Academy. I've tried to launch this for three years in a row. 
and failed miserably. It just wasn't there. And when I look back and say, why did it fail? It wasn't this. It wasn't pointing at them. It was here. It was here. I wasn't dedicated. I wasn't committed to it. I wasn't all in on it. And it took me six months to get all in on this. And I found the reason why is because the message needed to be resonated with our athletes again. So we took it as a pilot this year. And I took 30 kids, just juniors and sophomores. Seniors are leaving. They're not going to be vested. Freshmen are too young. They don't know our culture yet because our freshmen are not in our building in this in this district. And so I started focusing on these athletes. And so what we did is we started tying in MPM principles, right? The things that we really needed to do with some stuff that Jeff Jansen had put out on, on dealing with being responsible and accountable and a committed athlete. And these are just some slides out of these courses. We meet every other Monday, 7.30 in the morning. I provide breakfast for them. Um, you, you would think that if kids would just show up, they'd eat everything. They don't eat. We have so much leftover food. I'm just giving it away to staff in the morning. But again, it's about what we accept. And we have to keep that messaging in front of our kids. It's what we accept. If we accept you being late to practice, that's our culture. We don't have to be accountable. We can be late to practice. We, you know, If we accept you uh, leaving early, we accept you not giving 110%. That's the culture we have, no matter what. So that's that's how this is going to go. Um, the the beautiful thing about this is we get to tie in so many things, Brian, that you've done with the MPM coaching strategies and the coaches calls over week. These are slides that I pull off of, you know, the the presentations and everything else. It's great stuff. But again, it's just to get that message out there again. This is what who we are. This is what we do. Love that. Love that. And if you keep going, I know the next thing you were, you were going to talk about was kind of like how you put mental performance mastery into action and some of the kind of the ways that when you do your coaches meeting, you ask them to kind of like, what's the number one thing they're going to do, right? Because you've got to inspect what you expect, but you've also got to kind of give your coaches a starting point. Because I think so many times if you go through, like I know we have people that join this group coaching and they go through and they watch every call and they're like, man, I've gone through every call. And then I say, well, what's the one thing you're doing? You know, and I think that becomes a hard part sometimes is there's so much great information that you can take and use. What is it you actually do to get started? Oh, man, I, you know, and you're talking about, uh, you know, success hotline, Dr. Gilbert, you know, K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action, you get you nothing. So we can gather all the knowledge, but if we're not applying it, then we've done nothing. We're staying in the same spot, spinning our wheels. I, I got to brag on our coaching staff. I mean, I was blown away, flat blown away. And I, I think that I'm in touch with my staff. I mean, we, we, we do, you know, weekly check-in meetings in season. We do monthly check-in meetings if you're out of season. And to see the majority of the coaches and the strategies that, you, that, that we're using, it blew me away. I, I, I didn't know that it was that pervasive that coaches are using so many of these strategies. When you look through this, um, some of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, with Coach Ellis, our, our boys coach, really started taking away some things that we were talking about. And then I turned him on uh, to the to the golf MPM and some of the mental uh, imagery stuff for that. Uh, just everybody and the different things that are there. And you, and you start to catch some themes. You really start to catch some themes, which is great because if we can catch these themes in multiple seasons with multiple coaches, meaning with the same athletes, we have a better chance of that sticking as a habit with them because it's constantly being reinforced. Um, so I, I, again, just blown away. I mean, just it's tremendous. And you can just see some of those things that are up there. Um, and I can I, I can look on this list and I'm not going to say it. I can look on this list and know who are the ones that I thought that, dude, it's not sinking in with them. They're not getting it. They're not going to do it in any given way. And I'm down the list here going, boy, they're hiding it really good because they are doing it. 
Mm. They are doing it. So what, what does it look like, Russ, in one of your meetings with a coach where you're kind of discussing whether it's a season, you know, preseason goals, mid-season evaluation, end of season evaluation. How do you build in culture and mental performance into that evaluation as an AD? Um, intentionally. Intentionally. Um, like I said, we I, I got this, I can't remember the call, Brian. It was uh while ago. I can't remember the AD that did it, but I stole it from him. It might have been, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it was Woodsy or not. Uh, but again, in season, meet with me one day a week. It can be on a, a Zoom call, Google Meet. It can be five minutes. It can be 50 minutes. It's going to be up to you. It's going to be coach-led. I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? How can I support you? What can I support you with? Can I support you with just an attaboy, girl? Are you struggling with an MPM strategy? Are you struggling with an athlete in their attitude? How can I help you? And then out of season, I got to see you once a month. I need to be in touch with you because I want to stay connected with my coaching staff. And that, that doesn't always happen, right? Sometimes schedules are schedules and it doesn't match up. But I, I, I definitely do not go past one month without seeing an out-of-season coach. I make it a point. We got to touch base. What can we do? How are we going? You know, what can I help you with? You got paperwork coming up. You got next season coming up. Summer programs coming up. What is it? And then the weekly thing is sometimes it is a conversation about nothing to do with athletics. It's a conversation about our golf game. It's a conversation about, you know, barbecues or recipes or something like that. But I think that's part of culture. And you've got to be able to say the job is the job, but the person is the person and the person is the one that's the most important in this. Do you build that relationship with them? Yeah, that's awesome. Love that. You know, and I know, you know, you're going to continue to kind of show some of the mental performance mastery and action and some of the yeah. things that your coaches are actually doing. Cause it's one of those things where I had a call today with, with, uh, you know, an SEC, an SEC baseball coach team's not performing the way they want to. And he's saying, Hey, what, what can we do now? Can you talk to our team? And I said, well, I can talk to your team, but you can just go to YouTube and type in any video of mine that you want and show that to your team. And it's going to be the same thing that I would say if I was going to them live, but are you looking for a talk? Or are you looking for a system or are you looking for like, like, Oh, Hey, give us 30 minutes and change our season. Or are you looking for like a program that's going to change your, uh, a system that will change your program for the next 30 years. And I think one of the things that you have here is not just coaches talking the talk, but walking the walk and putting into action what it is you want them to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Brian. And, and I, and I think publicly, I'll apologize for not getting that message the first year we had you. And I remember very vividly, you're saying, the more I can get in front of your kids, the better your program's going to be. And I remember you telling me just that. Do you want a guy that's going to come in and do a keynote for an hour and leave and say, thank you for the money and I'm out of here? Or yeah. do you want somebody that's going to help make change that's going to last for, for a long period of time? Yeah. Talk, talk, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Ross. Yeah. Talk about, I say that is the difference between bringing in a speaker and bringing in a system. Yeah. Right. And talk about from your perspective now, because that was kind of a mindset shift for you, that if you're trying to improve your organization, corporate, because we've got a lot of corporate coaches on here, athletic director mm -hmm. in your school, coach in your team, bringing in a system, bringing in a speaker, unpack the difference between those two things. You know, I think a speaker's like anything else. I can go to a conference. I can listen to a speaker. I can bring the handout home and it's going to go right in the shelf and it's going to yeah. collect dust. We're going to bring in a system. Um, and, and that's going to change that. So put it in a coach's terms. Um, and, and let's, let's take, uh, let's take football, for example, I can go and, and be at the, uh, the best spread offense ever that there was to do. And I listen to that speaker, I take their playbook and I come back and I go, it doesn't fit. I don't have a guy who can throw the ball. I don't have a guy who can catch the ball. I don't have four guys who can block up front and I don't have five guys. Who can block. I don't have that. So you brought nothing to value that's going to help your program. 
So you've got to evaluate your program. You got to find what is the what is the bricks that are missing in the wall, and then you got to fill them in. And that's bringing in the system, right? And that's bringing in you know something like the ten pillars that a coach can say. I really need to work on the elite mindset portion of this pillar one. I need to really work on that. Or I'm gonna, I need to work on culture. Or I need to work on, you know, accountability. Those are the things they get to choose. Now it's like being at a smorgasbord, right? We're at the salad bar and we're picking what we want to put on our plate. And that's the benefit of bringing in a system. It's workable. It's malleable. It fits for everybody's need. Hmm. It's awesome. Well said, right? The difference is like speaker is temporary. A system is legendary and helps you to, you know, bring success to your program moving forward for years. And I think one of the things that we have to all understand as as coaches and as executives and entrepreneurs on this call is it's got to be in you before it comes out in what you do. And Russ Waterman, I know one of the things that has been most impressive about about getting to know you over the last two years is that you're not just bringing this to your coaches and athletes, you live mental performance on a daily basis. Can you take us to kind of that last slide and walk us through sort of the importance of walking the walk? You know, it, it's been it's been life changing, um, and and I'm I'm going to say off the front with a disclaimer, I'm not 100 percent fulfilling everything I need to do every day. And why? Because I'll never be perfect, right? But I need to know that I need to be present every day, and the first person I need to be present for is myself, mm. right? If I give and I give and I give and I give, but I am not taking care of me, I'm not I'm not worth anything to anybody. I'm worthless, right? I, I can't do it, and so. You know, some of the stuff that we talk about is is just getting those kind of that MVP plan and process. And that's what you see on the left. Uh, again, talking about quarterly goals. And it kind of goes in with what's in the middle about, uh, you know, the Optimus U. That's one of the greatest things that I've to slice bread is being able to be involved with with Heroic and the, and the Optimize app and to be able to get those cliff notes of, of all these great people that are a lot smarter than me. And, and, and to resonate. And this is one that it really resonated with me is because what did I need to do with energy? What do I need to do with love? And what do I need to do with work? Okay. And, and how do I do those things? And you can see in the red, those are what I came up with. And so I applied that to my MVP process of, you know, I need to be a fountain. I can't be a drain. I've got to be juiceful to be useful. Because if I'm juiceless, I'm, I'm useless, right? I'm going to coin that from Brian Kane. And, and that's what I have to do. So I got to be a positive leader. I get to. And I told my coaches this today. That's my focus for quarter two is to use the word, use the phrase, I get to. I don't have to. I get to. I get to wake up every day. I get to go work out downstairs. I get to go to work. I get to make an impact in people's lives. And that changes your mindset. Down in the bottom right-hand corner, that's freaking frack right there. I just named them. I don't think I'm going to stick with those names. But those are the things that are my first battle every day. I got to go downstairs. And I'm on one of those two machines every day. I'm doing the weight training, doing the mobility. And when I don't, I'm not a very good person to myself. I'm not on my point at work. And, and so that has to happen. You'll see up, there, up top is habit share. You know, that's been a, a game changer with just being accountable to myself. Um, I despise the red dot. I despise it. I would rather cut off a toe than put a red <laughs> dot on my habit share uh, because that means I made a choice not to do that. No, gray square or gray circle means, uh, you know, there wasn't any opportunity to meet that that goal that year or that day. So my Plus, core principles. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. No, go good. No, I'll let you keep going. We'll come back with questions here because there's a lot to unpack here. This is beautiful. Yeah. So, again, come back to core principles. I, I decided that it was going to be present, impactful and bring energy. Um, so pie. Now, with my goals of trying to be fit and trying to try to lose some extra weight that I had put on for all these years. 
right? I didn't want to put a pie up there. That would defeat the purpose because then I want to have a piece of the pie. So I used the pie sign, uh, act like I'm a little bit smart with math. But again, present, impactful, and energy. That was quarter one. I think we're going to carry on to that, but I'm going to add to that probably the three G's that we talked about before, you know, grit, gratitude, and grounded uh, mm. to that. And then for me, what I really, really, really loved, and I, I you know, I stole it from, from Jocko. You know, if you ever seen that video, you should play it every time you have a call, Gainer, Jocko Good is resilience. And that was the last quarter that I was going to be, I'd say, so what? Bad things happen. So what? Get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage. And the, the last phrase you got there, I'm unbreakable, I'm unstoppable, I can do hard things. Um, every day, that's on my desk. Mm. That is on my desk and it sits right here. When I have a bad phone call with a parent, hang up the phone, I pick up that card and I say that out loud. Mm. It's not always positive energy that you're getting from others around you. Have a hard conversation with an athlete, I'm going to say that. Life choice, relationships, I, I come back to that card. And that, those are things that you know just resonate with me. So I love that. Love that. We got so much, so much good content coming out here, Russ, in terms of how you've built mental performance into the high school athletic department at Eastmont high school. And one of our coaches, if you have any questions for coach Waterman, please go ahead and put those inside of the chat and Russ, while they're coming up with those questions, talk to us about the concept of the success checklist, right? Which you use habit share up there. How, what does that do for you in terms of clarity, accountability, support, and allowing you to help become that best version of Russ Waterman? I think it's one of those things that you've got to realize that in this job, athletic director, but it could be in the corporate world. I couldn't imagine that grind. I know the grinder that I'm in, in this job. And I couldn't imagine sometimes in the corporate world, what it is, or even in the coaches world anymore. I mean, there's so many things that pull you so many different ways. We've got to stack our wins. We've got to be able to say at the end of the day, look, I was productive. I was successful. I won today because if we don't do that, Human nature is the negative side of that. I'm failing. I'm losing. I'm a failure. And that's not the truth. So we've got to stay positive in what it is. There's a whole big thing about now about false positivity. And I agree with that. I think people can be just blow smoke in your face and you're not getting anywhere. But if you do your self-assessment every day, Habit Share helps me do that. These are things that are going to help me be a better person, help me be, do my job the right way, help impact other people in the right way, help me live to my core principles of present, impactful, and energy. And it just helps me stack wins. Green light is good. Red light, bad. Hate the red dot. You know, you also have in there an MVP process. You showed us the Eastmont High School MVP process for the department. Talk about the MVP process for yourself and, and why that's important that you create that. Um, I think it's important because, again, it, it comes back to that growth mindset. Um, if I knew it all, I'd be sitting on top of a mountain with a big, long gray beard and robes on me. I'd be the, the guru of all gurus. People are going to go talk to. I'm not going to be that guy. And I got to get better. I got to challenge myself. And so the MVP process does, it. you know, you know, you look at the, the part about energy, you know, my nutrition, physical fitness, calendar things that start that, that scare me. You notice what's on there, Kane. And, and I could always go back to the video right there. Do something that's going to be on your calendar that scares you. Half yeah. marathon, the Spartan race. What is yeah. it? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten there yet, but it scares Love me. It. Love it, it scares me to put it on my calendar because I don't know if I can meet that goal. But once it's on my calendar, by God, I'm going to meet that goal because mm -hmm. you're going to the habit share, uh, sleep routines and everything else. So there's just checklists you can go back to and revisit this um, and everything that you do. And there's a lot on there and it's okay to fail. That's something I've had to tell myself. It's okay to fail. Failure is feedback. Mm -hmm. So 
reload, re-engage, let's put it on there, get another plan so you're not failing in that one. It's awesome. So good. You know, some great questions coming in here. And again, if anybody has questions for Russ Waterman, athletic director at Eastmont High School in Washington, he's also a, a college baseball umpire. So if you have any officials on the call, you know, I actually want to ask you a question, Russ, here. Uh, we'll go to Coach Jamison's question first. Russ, if you could pick one technique to start with with your coaches, what would it be? I, I, I think if I had to talk about one MPM strategy, Coach Jamison, or one technique. Yeah, I'd say one MPM strategy to get started with, with your coaches. I think it's well better how. And I think they have to do it personally. Um, that's one thing that I'm lacking. It's on my list, but I don't always do it. And I'm going to start to do it and commit to that on every Saturday night, Sunday, well better how. What did I do well this week? What did I do uh, well as an AD? What did I do well as a husband? What did I do well as a father? Uh, and then what do I need to get better at? And be honest with yourself. Uh, you know what? I, I got, I've got to give more time to my coaches when they drop into my office. I got to give more time to my wife when she's talking to me and I need to engage and I need to be present with that. Whatever the case it might be, I need to go walk the dog, whatever that is. And then how, what's your plan for the next week? So I think coach Jameson, if, if that was the one thing I would start with a coach, it'd be well better how, because then they can apply that to their athletes. And, and I say that only because I know Coach Jamison. We're good friends. We coach in the same league. We're actually presenting at the state conference in nice. two weeks on how to evaluate your athletes. And Well Better How is in there. Well, and I think what Well Better How does for you, too. And I know Zach Sorensen, who is with Fundraising University and is the mental performance coach for the Atlanta Braves, uses Well Better How consistently with, with his players when they do their reflection, right? Is if you look at what they call the success cycle, I prepare, I perform, I reflect, I prepare, I perform, I reflect. And that reflection is often the place where most of the learning happens, but it's also the place where people bypass it the most, right? And I think that that reflection is is often bypassed because people don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think just going through a well, better how as a simple reflection process gives you the opportunity to have, whether it's a coach doing it with an athlete or an AD doing it with a coach, it gives an opportunity for them to take some ownership of that. And I remember being at Mount Mansfield High School in Jericho, Vermont. This is uh, my last year. There was the 10, 11 school year. So this is over a decade ago. And Eric Barker, our girl soccer coach, remember it clear as day, the first game that I went to that they co that he was coaching halftime, his girls are sitting in a circle and he's off to the side talking to his staff. He comes back in, jumps in the circle. He's like, what do you got? And they start talking back and forth. And then he's building off of what they say. And obviously when he's talking, I asked him afterwards, I said, Hey, what are you talking to your staff about? He goes, we're going through DOC defense. We got to do this offensive end. We got to do this culture wise, mindset, energy, toughness. We got to do this. Then he steps into the circle and says, what do you gals got? And he wants them to kick back like what he was talking about with his staff. And if they were in tune with the game and he had done a good job preparing them, often what they said in that circle was what he was going to say anyway. But by him stepping in and giving them an opportunity to talk, it allowed them to bring it up. I also saw this with uh, Greg Powers, hockey coach at Arizona State University. Is in the in the between the first and second period, second and third period, those two intermissions, he'd go into the staff room, they'd be watching film, he'd come into the locker room and he would have had the defense the, you know, the the um the D men sitting together, the forwards and center sitting together, the goalies sitting together. And they would go one of some they would break it down, well better how, and one would go to the board and they'd literally come up with like, here's what we did well, here's what we gotta do better, here's how we're gonna do with this shift. So he'd walk in, first thing he'd do is walk in, boom, he'd look at the board, well, better how, and then he would address it. So he gave them the opportunity to give feedback to their performance. And then he built off of that feedback, which I thought was, was pretty legit. 
Uh, next question comes in and he says, coach this is from Greg Owen, AD in, in Starkville, Mississippi. He says, how has establishing the MVP process in your athletic program helped you in the community? You know, it's one of those things that I, if people that are in the community, I think you look at traditionally what they feel on athletic programs are. And, and I think that's some of the disconnect that happens in the community. So to get our word out, um, we, we did a video to talk about that. This is what we're about. It was professionally done. We, we bit the bullet and, and paid for that because we wanted to get our message out. And I think the community now understands where we are um, and what we're trying to do. And, and it's been a good reception from that. I think parents like to hear that message to know that we think of their kids as individuals, not as cogs and something to go forward, that we're not just thinking wins are going to be the answer because we're in, in educational-based athletics. The end product is the kid that moves across that stage with their cap and gown, and we've sent them off. And again, that comes back to our mission, Wildcats today, Wildcats for life. Are we sending off the kids that we see? Are we sending them off to be better people? And I think the community appreciates that. Again, the financial community support, I'd love to say that it was, you know, that it's increasing. We've got, you know, millions and millions of dollars in the, in the, in the coffers. We don't, I mean, it's financially hard for everybody, but I think it has helped people to understand and be recommitted to our process of what we're trying to produce. And I think that's a, a level of comfort. Yeah, that's great. And I want to share that video, Rusty. You talked about wildcats today, wildcats for life. Let's take a look. Oops. Hang on a second. Eastmont's athletic program has been working hard at reflecting and defining what an Eastmont student athlete will take away from their experience in our program. We believe it is much more than wins and losses. We believe that educational-based athletics is an extension of the classroom, and the purpose of our athletic program is to educate and grow our athletes into successful individuals after graduation. A student only has four years in high school. That's approximately 5% of their life. In that time, our coaches strive to instill in our athletes pride in themselves improve self-esteem, community involvement, and build strong, lifelong relationships with their teammates and their coaches. Our 19 high school varsity teams hold 93 league championships, 107 district championships, and 32 state titles in our history. Our mission is simply to instill in our student-athletes quality traits that will help them as Wildcats today and prepare them for post-high school as Wildcats for life. This mission is based upon eight core principles that define who we are. And those core principles are... The W in Wildcat stands for win. What's important now? The I in Wildcat stands for integrity. Do what you said you're going to do. The L in Wildcat stands for leadership. Service above self. The D in Wildcat stands for discipline. Attention to detail. The C in Wildcat stands for competitive. One play at a time. The A in Wildcats is attitude. Bring the juice. The T in Wildcats stands for toughness. Embrace and overcome adversity. The S in Wildcats stands for selfless. We over me. Wildcats today. Wildcats for life. It's awesome. Russ, how do you use that video in the community to kind of build that energy around Wildcats? You know, we show that with all of our parent meetings before each season, you know, and we say, this is what we're about. And, you know, I, I saw a comment right there, goosebumps. I still get goosebumps when I watch that video. And I've watched it a hundred times because it really, it, it touches you to the core, mm-hmm. what you're doing. 
what are you doing? That That is what we're about. And I think the more we can get it out, the more we can. So we put it out on social media every once in a while just to make sure that, that people get to see that. So mm. the only bad part of that in the cross-country start, they got way too many of our rivals in that video. <laughs> we're purple and white, man. Oh, I you're way a, too much I wanted credit. a refund. Yeah. We got to go in there. We got to put the black bar across the jersey. Who is it? That's right. Oh. That's right. You know, but Russ, you, you, you know, I was getting emotional there, man, for a minute because you mentioned the five percent of their life that they get, which is high school sports, that impacts the other eighty percent. And it's not. It's not. This is why I get so fired up about fundraising university. Is it's not. It's not the athletic experience that that changes their life for the next eighty percent of their life. It's the coaches. It's the quality of the athletic experience, because if it's not done the right way, guess what? That 5% that you have can ruin kids for the next 80%. But if you do it the right way, that 5% can build a platform. And I'm an example of this. My high school football coach changed my life. They can take them anywhere they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on, Kaner. You're spot on. You're where you're at because of people in your life. Well, Ross, can't thank you enough, man. Thank you for being here. Appreciate the coaches, everything you guys are doing. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Russ, you're the man. Appreciate you. Thanks, babe. Thank you, brother. Thank you, guys.